Ninth, Grand Hill in Maine. She turned where she wanted, went the wrong way, ran hard for the river, slowing more, finally, inevitably, as everything rippled and blurred. She told herself it was the dry night wind and lashing hair, the way her eyes filled when her lonely race finished. But it was always the same, whether the air was dry or not, whether her hair was down or up. So she knew. For those few minutes, running across the city, she could be and was herself, purely and truly herself, finding herself in those moments, only to lose herself once more when she slowed, falling behind as her true self ran free somewhere ahead in the empty night. She lurched across Alameda, her speed draining like a wound. Sixty-five. Sixty. Fifty-five. Larkin turned north on an industrial street parallel with the river. Her building was only blocks away when the airbag exploded. The Aston Martin spun sideways, then stopped. White powder hung in the air like haze, sprayed over her shoulders and arms. The other car had been a flashing shape, no more real than a shadow in the sea, a flick of gleaming movement broken by the prisms of her tears, then the impact. Larkin released her belt and stumbled from the car. A silver Mercedes sedan was on the sidewalk, its rear fender broken and bent. A man and woman were in the front seat, the man behind the wheel. A second man was in the rear, closest to the impact. The driver was helping the woman whose face was bleeding. The man in back was on his side, trying to pull himself up but unable to rise. Larkin slapped the driver's side window. Are you all right? Can I, can I help? The driver stared at her blankly before truly seeing her, then opened his door. He was cut above his left eye. Larkin said, Oh my God, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'll, I'll call 911, I'll get an ambulance. The driver was in his fifties, well-dressed and tan, with a large gold ring on his right hand and a beautiful watch on his left. The woman stared dumbly at blood on her hands. The backseat passenger spilled out the rear door, fell to his knees, then used the side of the car to climb to his feet. He said, We're okay, it's nothing. Larkin realized her cell phone was still in her car. She had to get help for these people. Please, sit down. I'll call... No. Let me see about you. The man from the back seat took a step toward her, but sank to a knee. Larkin saw him clearly, lit by the headlights from her car. His eyes were large and so dark they looked black in the fractured light. Larkin hurried to her car. She found her cell phone on the floor and was dialing 911 when the Mercedes backed off the sidewalk, its rear fender dragging the street. Larkin said, Hey, wait! Larkin called after them again, but they didn't slow. She was memorizing their license plate when she heard the man from the back seat running away hard up the middle of the street. A tinny voice cut through her confusion. Emergency operator. Hello? I, I had a wreck. An auto accident. Was anyone injured? They drove away. This man. I, I don't know. Larkin closed her eyes and recited the license number. She was scared she would forget it, so she pulled out her lip gloss, cherry pink ice, and wrote the number on her arm. Ma'am, you need help? Larkin felt wobbly. Ma'am? The earth tilted, and Larkin sat in the street. Ma'am, tell me where you are. Larkin tried to answer. Ma'am, where are you? Larkin lay back on the cool, hard street. Dark buildings huddled over her like priests in black frocks, bent over in prayer. She searched their roofs for angels. The first patrol car arrived in seven minutes, the paramedics three minutes later. 
Larkin thought it would end that night when the police finished their questions, but her nightmare had only begun. In 48 hours, she would meet with agents from the Department of Justice and the U.S. attorneys. In six days, the first attempt would be made on her life. In 11 days, she would meet a man named Joe Pike. Everything in her world was about to change, and it began that night. Day One Stay Groovy 1. The girl was moody getting out of the car, making a sour face to let him know she hated the shabby house and sun-scorched street smelling of chili and episote. To him, this anonymous house would serve. He searched the surrounding houses for threats as he waited for her, clearing the area the way another man might clear his throat. He felt obvious wearing the long-sleeved shirt. The Los Angeles sun was too hot for the sleeves, but he had little choice. He moved carefully.